Ladies and gentlemen, the 2021 American League's most valuable player, number 17, Shohei Otani. Welcome to Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Carpenter, host, and with me, of course, is Mr. Brandon Noway. How you doing, Brandon? Um, well, personally, I can't complain too much. It's actually going pretty good. Sports-wise, it's the exact opposite. Last uh, night, was pretty, it was pretty rough last night. Uh, some nastiness, and of course, living in Tampa, it even makes it more so. But we'll, we'll get into all of that in a minute. Uh, today, we do have some interesting news. We're going to do the MLB standings, kind of do a breakdown of each one of the divisions. And while we're doing that, we won't just give you numbers. We'll give you stories. Uh, some a little more happy than others, and some of them like, ready to pull your hair out. Hair out. So we'll, we'll see how all that goes. And um, as, it's, as I'm getting older, Brandon, there's less hair to pull out, so I'm not sure how this is going to work out. So hopefully I'll still have enough by the end of the – the show here, and that's why I'm wearing a cap to reduce some of that. Let's go ahead and start cooking. Taking a look at what's going on with MLB standings this week. What have we seen? What's going on? Uh, give it a kickoff with the American League East. All right. In the AL East, the Yankees, they still lead that division at 21-8. and eight. And they they kept their hot start going. And they're, they've actually won last night against the Blue Jays, which controversial game a bit with the umpiring. We can probably touch on that more in a little bit. But they still lead that division. Four games behind them is the Rays at 18-3. Five back are the Blue Jays, 17-14. Orioles moved up to fourth. They are 13-17, and 17, eight and a half back. And the Boston Red Sox, 11-19, and 19, ten and a half back. Okay, let's, let's dissect some things here. And as you mentioned at the very beginning, yeah, the Yankees are right up there. You know, they got their 21-8. and eight. And it puts them up there at the top. I mean, there's a couple other teams out across uh, the different divisions, and we'll talk about who, who are doing you know equally, I guess, as well. But last night, today's Wednesday, by the way, you're talking about Tuesday night and Yankee Stadium, and the Blue Jays are there playing the Yankees. And by gum, man, I'm pulling for the Blue Jays. I, I've really got a lot of heart for them. You know, I, I know I'm, quote, a Tampa Bay fan, but the, the Blue Jays is just exciting, and yet – and yet they're in Yankee Stadium. <laughs> I, I, I I just don't know what to think because umpires are obviously, you know, they're they're objective. But damn, if I didn't disagree with a lot of the stuff that went against the Blue Jays last night. And one of it kind of began with Espinal. I mean, home run, man. That We're looking at three runs right there. Bam, at home run. And then what happened? Yeah, I believe that they, they originally called it a homer, but then they reviewed it and it turned out it hit off the top of the wall so it kind of got it, the, their joy taken a little bit away from them right there yeah and i don't even know i mean some of it you know there was a hello who's calling me somebody now <laughs> yeah i remember my first day on radio oh, 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 <laughs> i heard that once and i've been waiting to use it oh that's perfect dude <laughs> that is so real and i thought i turned down all the sound oh well so much. I've had me. that in my back pocket for a few months now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, yeah, make sure mine's off so you can't do it back. <laughs> okay. 
All right, I may have to come cut some of that anyway. Oh gosh, but no, 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 no. You know, I mean, we're we're looking at this, and like I said, Espinal. I was just like, okay, all right, that's a little, little bit of ugliness. But that game got uglier and uglier and uglier. And you know, it was really great watching Kikuchi there with you know with the Blue Jays because. He was he was looking good, man. He was five innings in, and he's got a no hitter going. And then, and the top of the six, he's got, and I think he's got a five and a third no hitter. And then it, then it broke up. I mean, the Yankees did what they did, and they they came in and they hit on him. So they had to bring a Blue Jay said, "Well, I think uh, Kikuchi was probably somewhere around like eighty nine pitches," and they said, "We're going to give you a break." So they bring Yimmy Garcia in, and Garcia gets up there. So they've already got a man on base from Kikuchi, and I think there may have been another one after that from Garcia. Then the next guy's up, I think maybe it's Josh Donaldson, and Garcia's ball throws it, and it hits Josh in the lower shoulder area, I'd say. Well, you see Yankees getting ready to crawl out of the uh, dugout. You know, you see Judge. And, of course, that big guy, he's just got one leg over, and he's already there if he wanted to. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, at this point, there's some question whether or not it was <laughs> – whether or not it was intentional. And and later after the game, they asked Josh Donaldson. He says, you know, I don't think that was intentional, but it just kind of has an ugly look. And evidently the umpires thought that because they took that ugly look and said bye 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 to Mr. Garcia. Yeah, I I didn't think much of it. I thought it was a major overreaction by the umpires and, you know, another overreaction by the Yankees who, you know, God forbid if you even pitch close to them inside, they'll think that you're after them. Oh I mean, yeah. We we should know. And I don't think he should have been thrown out. I thought it was a major overreaction and he had a right to be upset. The pitching coach even got thrown out too. And, you know, you thought that would have been it. You know, they made him, they overreacted. We'll move on from it. But that wasn't the end of it, I guess. Uh, no, you know, I, I would have thought that it would have been. And, and But it got a little nastier, got a little uglier. And as things progressed, uh, I guess it's the, the next inning and Bo Bichette's up. And it seems like the Yankees are throwing at his head. You know, he just, he jumps back. It would have been right underneath that little chin. It would take that little bit of hair that he's got down there and shaved it right off. But he was smart enough to move out of the way. Uh, no warnings were issued there. Of course, you know, no warnings were issued to, to Garcia. He just threw him straight out. Uh, so I don't know. It, it was an ugly game. And then on top of all of that, you know, you, you see these Yankees and they're, and they're coming back hard, man. It, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, the Yankees, they seem like they're finally living up to their potential. And, I mean, Nestor Cortez, just a few days ago, I think actually the day before last night, he took a no-hitter into the eighth, and Aaron Boone let him pitch until he gave up the hit, then he pulled him, which Dave Roberts take notes. So he looks like he's been a really good starter for them this year. And then the next day, um, I can blank it on the name, Kikuchi. Yep. He he came out, he threw a no-hitter pretty deep into the game. I believe he was, what, the sixth or the seventh until he gave up his first hit? So back-to-back days you have no hits deep into games in the same series. That's I've never seen that before. On a night where there was a no-hitter, too. Yeah, I mean, and it was, yeah, we'll talk about that in a moment, too. too. But, I mean, the, the thing of it is, 
is you gotta say, what what is this all about? Suddenly the, the Blue Jays, they're with their three of their folks are out. You know, you got your pitching coach, you got your pitcher, you got your uh, your manager. They're, they've all been tossed. And if you're a Jays fan, I think the part that just really hurt was the walk-off home run for Judge as he brought in three runs in that game, giving them a victory of six to five. You know, and that the Yankees could uh, hold their heads high and and say, "Hey, we're great guys." But um, uh, it it was it was just ugly. Yeah, the Jays have kind of stumbled a bit over the last ten. They're four and six. Have a have a good home record of ten and six, but they're seven and eight on the road. And I mean. You know, they do say you want to be above 500 at home and hover around 500 at least on the road, right. be a little bit above. So they got that part down, but the only problem is the Rays hit a little bit of a hot streak and the Yankees, are they've been hot pretty much after the first two weeks of the season. Yeah, a couple of other nuggets while we're talking AL East. Um, Manuel Margot of the Rays, he got the Player of the Week award. And unfortunately, at the same time, he also took an injury uh, running over to second base. You could see there was something wrong with his gait. It looked like a hamstring issue, so he's been pulled. He did not play in Tuesday night's game. I don't know whether he'll be playing uh, tonight or not. He's on a day-to-day basis. And looking at, uh, you know, could you believe the Red Sox are actually in the basement, man? Uh, that, That kind of blew my mind. I you know, the Orioles, Orioles are, you know, they're doing okay for Orioles. <laughs> <laughs> they're not uh, But it's been, like I said, it's been a crazy week in the AL East. So take us on. To, to, do you have any other uh, words of wisdom to share with us about this? Um, nothing really. Just the Rays, you know, doing their almost tradition at this point of getting no hit or, or perfect game against a young pitcher. And we all know that they've struggled against guys in their first start or and their first few starts, so it's good to see they can give the Ross Detmer a memory, and I'm I'm sure we can touch on that when we get to the AL West. <laughs> okay, uh, so what's happened in AL Central? Yeah, so the Central, the Twins lead that division at 18 and 12. White Sox, they're they're starting to get their groove back. They're eight and two over their last ten to get back to 500 at 14 and 14. They're two and a half back. The Guardians, or the Cleveland baseball team, are 15 and 15, three and a half back. They're pretty hot as well, going in seven and three. The Royals, they're in fourth at nine and 18, seven and a half back. And then the Detroit Tigers at nine and 21. Ooh, and then let's see, and looking at the Royals and the Tigers, what do we got here? We're looking at both of those teams. They've only won two of the last 10 games. Yeah, that's correct. It's been a very rough start for the Tigers. And, you know, they keep this up. I might do a feature piece on them sometime soon. <laughs> and we can we can talk about the Twins in a little bit. Yeah, well, AL Central, uh, maybe it's just because I haven't been watching them enough, but I don't really have any news on that as well. Well, take us on down to the next one, bud. Uh, I did, the only real news I've seen out of the AL Central was Correa, I believe, is back on the IL. I don't think it was something major, the, like the 10-day. And then the Tigers, you know, their rough start, they sent down Akil Badu, who was the Rule 5 player. Then he came up and had himself a hot start. Then he kind of cooled off a little bit, but he wound up getting sent back down. So part of his rough start. But moving on to the AL West, the LA Angels not the Anaheim Angels. They are 21 and 11, 
They lead that division, having been 7-3 and three over their last 10 games. The Astros, they're hot on their tail at 18-11, and 11, one game back. The Mariners, 14-17, and 6.5 back. The Rangers, 12-16, and 16, 7 back. And the Athletics, 12-19, and 8.5 back. Oh, well, you know, you know, at the beginning of the show, we played the, the intro to uh, Otani. <laughs> and when they played the Rays last night, it was Otani Day big time. Actually, they had bobbleheads for him. You know, and you heard the announcement about, uh, I guess, handing him the MVP of the year award for the American League. But here, I want you to hear what else they said beyond that. In addition to being named the American League's most valuable player, Shohei earned the Silver Slugger Award, the Commissioner's Historic Achievement Award, the Edgar Martinez Award, the ESPY for the Best MLB Player, the Player's Choice Award for Player of the Year, and the American League Player of the Year. One more time, Angel Stadium. Let's hear it for number 17, the 2021 American League MVP, Shohei Otani. So, you know, he he hasn't been a busy guy. He hasn't been up to anything. Uh, What did he do Monday? I mean, we're going to talk about last night's game on Tuesday, but what did he do Monday, Brandon? Yeah, he only had two home runs, and he hit his first ever professional Grand Slam, and that's either in the majors and Japan. So, which if you told me he'd never hit a grand slam, I really wouldn't have believed it. I would have thought he hit one in his either his first few years in the majors or sometime in Japan. But evidently, that was his first ever grand slam. I, yeah, I was a little amazed at that part too when I heard it was his first one. And you know, I would say, well, part of that you can't blame him for because it's dependent upon the guys that, that came up to bed before him. <laughs> if they're not out there, you can't bring them in on a grand slam. But, <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> but the Angels, they're just they are just uh, shining, man, especially at 21 wins. And last night, our beloved Rays took it on the chin and pretty hard, too. Uh, there's a rookie pitcher for the Angels up there. And that young man performed. We're talking about Reed Detmers. This guy, you know, he's been with them. Let's see. I think uh, uh, Detmers, you know, he came from the University of Louisville just a little bit ago. And the Angels picked him, I think, in 2020. They picked him up in the first round of the draft. He was the 10th one to be picked. So the Angels, looks like they did a good job because Detmers performed better than most pitchers anytime last night. Could could you believe what he brought to the plate or to the mound? Could you believe what he brought to the mound? Yeah, I mean, he had his A-game stuff. Apparently, if you threw a no-hitter and, you, of course, went to Louisville, the fighting Mark Corbett. <laughs> and, I mean, I was hoping the Rays could provide some relief for us, you know, going from the Lightning game, slightly disappointed. Yeah. And angrily tweeting Mark when I found out that they were down for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but... You know, it's a no-hitter. He had his, his A game on, and he almost had it taken away from him when Brett Phillips hit it to the first baseman. I, I can't remember his name. I'm, I'm horrible with names. I probably should have written it down, but he fumbled the ball a couple times, and the, the scorers gave him a, an error instead of a hit, which, I mean, I think was the right call. It, it was an error all the way. Yeah. And he that ended up being one of the only mistakes that he made, and... And wound up throwing a no-hitter in, what was that, his fifth start? I, yeah, I think so. I mean, he's only been with them. Uh, he did a little bit last year, and now he's got some this year. They said not only was that his no-hitter, 
That's only the 12th one the Angels have ever had. Boom. So, you know, you got a newbie out there, and you said, like I said, maybe just five starts. Uh, oh, man, he, he sure made his mark last night. You know, the when you're talking about the race, John, you're looking for some point of relief. <laughs> we got a little comic <laughs> relief late in the game. I think it was, I can't remember it was about the eighth inning or whatever. Uh, Kevin Cash put, you know, baseball is fun guy, Mr. Brett Phillips, out to the mound. <laughs> oh, that, that poor guy. <laughs> it looked like if I went out there to pitch now. <laughs> I, th- I used to be a decent pitcher. <laughs> well, say again. I, I used to be a decent pitcher. I mean, I wasn't like a star or anything, but I wasn't wasn't bad. But I haven't thrown a baseball in years, and I imagine that's probably what it looked like now. Well, I think Cash needs to make you the 27th man sitting on the bench out there ready to come out in the game at any time, Coach. So he could have oh, done I'll- yeah, I'll do that. League minimum. <laughs> I'll be I'll be the punching bag if you need it. <laughs> oh gosh, Doug. Well, it was an interesting game to watch, and I'm you know kudos to Reed Detmers, man. It's a fantastic game, young guy doing that. It it makes the game that much more exciting. But like you said, there were other no hitters going on, or at least close to no hitters. If we look at the Astros, Justin Verlander. Wow. Yeah, I mean that was. That flew under the radar. I thought, you know, that would have gotten a little bit more mention considering it's, you know, Justin Verlander, a future Hall of Famer. But, I mean, we had, like we said earlier, Kikuchi and Cortez in the same series, back-to-back games, took no hitters very late into the game. What's up with this trend of no hitters or almost no hitters we got going? Yeah, I don't know, man. I tell you what, it's it's exciting. There's been some great pitching in in the AL West overall. Pitcher of the month, you know, went to Logan Gilbert with the Mariners. I mean, he's been pulling some magic out there. You know, speaking of magic, he grew, I think, grew up out there near uh, near Orlando. But he's he brought the magic to the mountain, continues to, and he trained out here in Florida, down at uh, Plant City's Florida Baseball Armory. So, you know, he's got a lot of close connections to this area. But he's he's been fun to watch too. So another you know fairly young gentleman out there doing a fantastic job from the mound. Wow, he's from our neck of the woods. Yeah, oh, well, man. more your neck of the woods, but from our area. <laughs> That's right, from our area. You know, if you're in Florida, there's just so many great talents have come out. Uh, I think about what in Tampa, of course, Pete Alonso. You talk about the manager of the Rays, Kevin Cash. There's a we talk about Brett Phillips. He's from the area too. Uh, we're not going to go ahead and beat. Go ahead, uh, Kyle Tucker with uh, Astros. He went to Plant, and uh, who's the guy? Jeez, there's another fellow who went to Jesuit. Ah, McCullers. McCullers. Thank you, McCullers too. So those are just some of the folks from around here. But we and will shout move. out Richie Martin who went to the same high school as me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go to school with them, but it's same school. Well, I, there's there's a lot of talent out there from Florida, but we're going to move. We're talking about the ALS, so a lot of those folks moved out to the other other part of the country to to continue their game. Well, so wrapping up the American League, anything else you can think of, Brandon? No, I, I think we said everything for the American League. Okay, well, take us on, brother. <laughs> we'll stay west and switch it up a little bit. Okay, we'll stick with the NL West. The Dodgers lead that division at twenty and eight. Just just behind them are the Padres at twenty and eleven, a game and a half back. The Giants just behind them at eighteen and twelve, three games back. The Diamondbacks seventeen and fourteen, four and a half back, 
They're 8-2 and two over their last 10, and that's not really something I expected. And in last, the Rockies at 16-14, five games back. So this division, even though it's May, it's, it's really close. Well, you know, it's interesting because you're talking about the AL West and now you're talking about the National League West. And I always think of both of those divisions as being very, very strong. And the NL West, I always I refer to them lately as the above 500 club because when you see all five of those teams, you know, carrying that, you know, that is strong, strong, and stronger. But uh, you've got the Dodgers. I mean, here we go. The the team is uh, hoping to be the world champions again this year. Uh, the Padres, Giants, Diamondbacks, and uh, <laughs> and as long as we're talking about Diamondbacks, there was a little fun that went along with that, wasn't there? Oh, yeah. Um, a little creepy fun, if you ask Ask many people. It's yeah. kind of uncomfortable to watch, but it, it, it's something that we'll remember for quite some time. Yeah. So we're talking with, we're talking specifically about the umpire, Don Bellini, and his little, uh, his little moment with none other than Madison Bumgarner. It was interesting because what had occurred is I think Bumgarner, I keep wanting to say Gardner, Bumgarner had uh, actually had some um, issues with one of the umpires, other umpires had said something. And as he was finishing for the inning and stepping out, another umpire, Don Bellini, came up and, you know, checked his hands as well as he's supposed to. But he holds his hand, and not once looking down at the hand, Bellini continues to massage his hand gently, or maybe not so. I don't know. <laughs> and, and look eyeball to eyeball to Baumgartner. And all I can think of, my mind goes back to the time when Bumgarner and Joe West eyed one another, you know. <laughs> and Bumgarner, in this case, has absolutely no idea what's going on because and he doesn't even recognize Bellini's having this little session, just wondering, are you done with my hand yet? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, there are plenty of jokes we can make about that, but it, it's a family show. And, I mean, the way he was just staring into him is like, are you – you're trying to like steal his soul or something? That yeah. was that was uncomfortable to watch. It was creepy and kind of interesting because that umpire, when he's not doing this, he's also I think he has part of a law firm and he's a lawyer. And I, I don't know. He did apologize the next day. I'm not sure if he had to probably worked a few different drafts before he decided what to actually say. But God <laughs> bless him. You know, I could emotionally. I don't. I could never be an umpire. And Bellini may have to reconsider that after that little session the other day with, with Madison. Yeah, and, uh, I always thought I thought being an umpire could be pretty fun, and then it was like, eh, no, I'll, I'll stick to just being a couch umpire. So I want to talk about the Diamondbacks when we get back to the the NL East in a moment. Uh, so when we talk about the Marlins, so what else we got and, going elsewhere? Oh, uh, yes. So the Central, the Brew Crew, they lead that division at 12 and 11. The Cardinals just behind them at 16 and 13, three games back. The Pirates at 12 and 17 are in third place, seven back. The Cubs behind them at 10 and 19, nine games back. And then the Cincinnati Reds, I mean, watch out for them. They're starting to hit a hot streak, three and seven over their last 10, up to six wins, 24 losses, 13 and a half back. Don't call it a comeback. <laughs> oh, oh gosh. I mean, 
So yeah, we're talking not only the Reds in the basement. The uh, I guess uh, the Cubs are trying to chase them there with that two and eight record for the last ten games. Uh, yeah, they're 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 giving them a run for their money, and they they got a little bit of a cushion, four and a half games, but that that could dwindle the way that they're playing. Yeah, those Reds, they might just catch fire, brother. Brother, we'll see. Uh, you know, we could talk about the Brewers leading the whole crew here, and it's interesting because I think it was last week. We were talking about Willie Adamas being the player of the week and had a, a seven-game RBI. Or me, he had a seven-RBI game and, you know, applaud him greatly. That was evidently – he matched the uh, the team's record. I think there was like ten other guys who had done that. But this week, you know, somebody else was player of the week, and we're talking about Rowdy Teles, also a Brewer. Uh, not surprisingly, they say, well, what does it take to do that? Well, Well, why don't you go ahead and break Willie's record? So he comes in, and yeah, what? So so Rowdy Tellez, who I absolutely love, the big guy out there on first, he comes in, and he has a game with eight RBIs. Woof. And not only does he have the, he had the eight RBI game and part of the all-name team, so that right there alone should just give him player of the month honors, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, you know we, we were talking about – uh, mad bum a moment ago and <laughs> some bad behavior from more seemed like more from the umpire than him but when we're looking here at the nl central uh, we saw some interesting developments with the the pirates they were playing the other day and i forget what the call was but there's some chirping coming out of the pirates dugout and the umpire throws out let's see what is it he's andrew knapp he threw andrew knapp out he was the backup catcher so he's ejected from the dugout Eh, it happens. But you got to remember, usually there's only two catchers sitting there on the roster for the day. So it seemed to be tempting fate. Roberto Perez, he's a catcher. He's out there, and he makes – I think he's trying to steal third from second to third. And as he does, he loses his footing and he returns to second. But he doesn't do it easily because when he loses his footing, he must have done something terrible with his ankle. He actually crawls back to second to be safe. But, man, you can tell he's an, an anguished face to get there and in great pain. They, they wound up having to actually walk him off <laughs> uh, walk him off of the field, you know, and put somebody else in his place out there. But the one thing they really couldn't put in his place was when he's playing behind the plate as the catcher. So um, Mike Perez, who's in the minor leagues, they can't bring him up, at least not that moment in the middle of the game, so they had to go to position player to play the rest of that game. And I don't know, man. I'm, I'm wondering about all these ejections from people who are in the dugout. I mean, he threw out Montoyo <laughs> and they, Nap got threw out. Uh, I guess, I'm sorry, we're in the no chirping zone. And, and I don't know if there's thinner skin or uh, maybe Andrew got really nastier than I thought. Who knows? Yeah, I, I don't know what I, what was said at all, but. I mean, losing both your catchers, I, that's like a nightmare scenario. And it's not like the NHL where you have an emergency catcher when you could just throw the guy out there if, if you lose both of your goalies like they do in the NHL. Yeah. And the catcher, it's not like any other position where you can just, you know, hey, you go over here just for this game. The catcher is really important because, I mean, you got to have the chemistry with the pitcher. You got to know, you know, how their, pit, how their pitches handle. And you got to know the signals and be able to call a game. So... It's it's not really something you can where you can just throw somebody in there and expect them to 
perform at a good level like you can maybe move in, you know, a second baseman up over to first just because they need somebody to, to play first. Just even think of the physicality of it. Uh, you know, as Perez walked off the field, or I should say as he left the dugout, you know, he gave his, his catcher's mitt to, to someone else. And a catcher's mitt doesn't feel like anything else. You know, it's its own unique p- uh, gear. So whoever the, the position player they put out there, it had to be a unique experience. And and I didn't watch the rest of the game to see what happened with it, but that is a heck of a handicap to any team. Yeah, it, I, I've only played catcher once, and I, I never wanted to do it again. I mean, I, I just like having just the one glove. The normal glove is good. Catcher's glove completely threw me off. All the padding threw me off. The helmet, I, I didn't really like wearing, so... I'll, I'd stick with playing second or short. <laughs> well, well, think <laughs> that's, of, that's fine with me. <laughs> well, well, think about me. Second or short, I won't say that it's a safe position from getting hit by a ball, but how many more concussions do catchers have than somebody who's out as a regular position player? Uh, and you say, well, you know, I'm not afraid of being hit by a ball, but damn it, they're coming directly at me <laughs> with every pitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of an eye-opener if you're not really used to it. Yeah. Well, you know, Eddie, we'll see how that uh, develops, and hopefully that young man they brought up is going to be able to do a good deal for them. And we also hope that other Perez uh, mends quickly. So God bless him. Shall we move to our final division, Mark? Please do, sir. All right. And we will end the rundown in the NL East. The New York Mets lead that division at 21-10. and 10. The Braves... A bit of a ways back at 14 and 17, they are seven games back. And they actually have a tie for third place between the Phillies and Marlins. Both are seven and a half back at 13 and 17. And the Nationals, 10 and 21, 11 games back. You you know, (laughs) you look at these numbers and the Marlins, who I absolutely love, I, I had higher expectations for them. Of course, I had a higher expectations for the Braves, but when you got Steve Cohen's Mets, it's going to be hard to climb up to number one. And the Marlins, even though they're at 13 and 17, their last 10, 10 games, they've only won one, man. They only won one game. And you have to say, well, why did that happen? Then you look back at their last 10 games. that's what we did and it was an eye-opener it was a nasty sandwich brother i mean they're out on the road right i mean or some of it anyway but they're playing up against the diamondbacks you know the diamondbacks are above 500 and won eight of their last 10 but the diamondbacks and then they play the padres and then they play the diamondbacks again so between all those games, they're playing some quality teams as well as they are. I mean, in their own sense, and they're taking a beating. I, I see them climbing up over the World Series Braves here in, within a week or so. So I, I don't know. NL East is interesting. Yeah, and you know, I kind of want to watch the Marlins a little bit more because obviously we can. We get their games a lot of the time, but. Going out west, you're already kind of behind the eight ball a little bit just because of the time change. And the instead of like a seven o'clock start, you're playing at 10 o'clock your time. So you're already behind the eight ball. And then when you're playing quality competition like the Diamondbacks and the Padres on the road, that just kind of adds to it. And even though you expect more from a team that 
wants to take that next step and contend, that's not something you're expecting them to win, but eventually you're going to have to come come over that. Yeah. I mean, you are facing <laughs> two teams from the toughest division there is. So if you've only won one of those games against the West, you look like you have a much better chance when you come back within your own division. I mean, the Phillies are 13 and 17. Okay, they're the same with you. The Nationals are 10 and 21, and it's got to hurt. I've got to say one more thing about the Marlins. The one guy they brought on this year, Jorge Soler, man. I really like watching this guy. Now, he's already been on uh, two World Series teams. You know, he, he was with the Cubs in 2016, and I think they traded him, uh, of course, to the, the Atlanta Braves. And lo and behold, he got another World Series ring for last year. So now he's with the Marlins, and – Marlins, heads up. Maybe you'll get another one with him. He, he's on a pretty good streak. I expected more from the Braves, and I expected more from the, the Marlins. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, the Braves, I expected more. You know, coming off the World Series, they could be, you know, going through a championship hangover. But the Marlins, I mean, it's easy to beat up on, you know, low-hanging fruit like the NLE seems to be for the most part so far into the season. But if you want to be taken seriously as a contender – when you go west and play teams like the Padres, the Giants, Diamondbacks, teams like that, you gotta you gotta beat them too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're in a league, <laughs> if you're in a professional league, you got to be a professional team, and you got to bring you got to bring your game. Uh, the general managers had to put a good team out there, and the owners got to put up the money to get them. And that's just common sense. But some teams like the Reds and Cubs. Seem like they've abandoned that idea this year, and I hope that changes because I know, like our good buddy Sarah Sanchez, she must just be grinding her teeth right now with what's going on with the Cubs. And uh, we'll we'll see, brother. I mean, like I said, there seems so many of these teams in the basement that with ugly numbers right now. You know, even looking at the A's, they've had two and eight in their last ten games. So I don't know, brother. What do you think? Man, this year it. Seems like there's not a whole lot of teams that are like middle of the road. It's either you're good or you're not. There's, you know, like how sometimes there's a teams where it's like, you know, they're right there. They just need that little streak or something to go their way. And then they can, you know, eventually get more confidence and become one of the good teams. We don't seem to have that this year now. Yeah. That could be just from my vantage point. People out there could have a different view on it. But to me, it seems like it's either, you know, one or the other. You're a good team fighting for the division, hanging on to a wild card spot, or you're just not good. Well, and there's a lot of things that people complain about, you know, whether you believe it's the umpires, whether you believe it's the team, whether you believe it's the injuries, and or whether you believe it's the ball. Oh, yes, the ball story. That's Yes, we're still talking about that. Nothing has... Big coming out this week, we just had a little update from Eric Chavez. Yes, that Eric Chavez, A's fans. He is now a hitting coach for the New York Mets. And this story comes from Dane Perry of CVSSports.com. And he, he's noticed, as well as his team, that for the nationally televised games, perhaps the balls are a little bit more juice than they are for non-national games. And Perry wrote a quote, I'll read this off, and I think we can all pretty much get, agree with this one. Quote, in general terms, pitchers won't object to deadened baseballs, just as hitters won't recoil from the juiced variants. 
both sets of players and their dueling interests. However, appreciate consistency when it comes to this most essential piece of equipment. Isn't that kind of what we were saying last week? Yeah, so I don't know that the uh, MLB will come out and fess up to that that's actually happening this year or not. I don't think they want to, but as much as it's being questioned, it seems like they're going to have to. Yeah, I did see Manfred was asked about it. It was nothing new. It was kind of what we said before where he came out and said, yes, the the balls are conformed to the 2021 rule change. There's no change to it from last year. So that's his words. So that's kind of what we, we read off to you here a couple weeks ago. So that's what he's saying. And from Eric Chavez, and I'll, I'll read this this whole thing for you. It is from CBSSports.com. And he told Tim Healy of Newsday after the Mets-Phillies game last Sunday, quote, And then in late April, two days before they played the Phillies on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball, several hitters gave him a heads up. Watch how the balls traveled during a premier nationally televised game of the week. They had heard that balls in those games were in some way different. And I thought for a, I thought for a second, you guys are full of it, Chavez said. And then what happened? The ball was traveling further. Balls that weren't hit as hard, and I'm like, wait a minute. That shouldn't have happened, Chavez said. The ball was just traveling better. That was the eye test, but then we lined it up with what the analytics were telling us. And he went on to to write after Chavez's quote that the ball tracking data from this game didn't particularly back up the perception of Mets hitters, and it also follows that if MLB had determined that a livelier baseball was good for business, then they'd use that baseball in the more than just nationally televised games. <laughs> so this kind of oh. starting to get to the point, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. Is that is that just me, or what do you think? No, I think you'd be right to keep your fireman's head on, brother, because <laughs> I think it's going to be unveiled soon. Uh, I don't know. I, the, the duplicity of it and just thinking that players and fans and are ignorant and – I imagine umpires even say this, but I don't think they can say yeah, much. Yeah, I, I imagine they're not really able to say much. But, I mean, we said it last week and they wrote in this article, we just just be consistent or come out and say, hey, we're having to use two different balls. Just transparency, really. Like I said, I wish umpires could speak out on this, but I'm sure that there's probably some professional code or rules that didn't allow them to say anything because they're handling these balls as much as anybody. You figure that home plate umpire – is is touching a ball more than anyone else in the game. And I believe they inspect it pregame too. Uh, Yes, yes, I believe they do. So between that, humidors and all that, we're not going to get any more of it, but uh, God bless them. And by that, I mean the umpires because they have to contend with all this stuff. But, you know, speaking about the umpires, there's been some changes going on for them too. And one of them you and I have seen for a while, the little FTX sponsorship on their shirts. Yeah, when I I first saw that, I – I didn't really think much of it. To be honest, I've never heard of FTX, and for the longest time, I didn't know what it was. I had to look up what it was, and apparently it's a crypto exchange. Yeah, cryptocurrency. You know, I I thought, well, maybe it's the same thing as the Mytel guy <laughs> out there, but no. I don't think, I don't know enough about cryptocurrency to say anything. So the interesting thing about the FTX patch, not only is it on the front of their shirt, it's actually on the side of their sleeves. I don't know if many people remember this. You know, just a couple of years ago, umpires are wearing something on the side of their sleeves. And it was usually like a, a couple of letters. What was it? See, take a peek here. 
I'm looking at an article from August 2020 from sportslogos.net. So they watch the uniforms. <laughs> and yeah, and one of the things they were talking about said, <laughs> you'll see umpires wearing three square patches bearing the initials of EC, CM, and RR on their sleeves. And what those were about is the memorial patches. They were paying tribute to three former MLB umpires who've died since the end of the 2019 season. So a sleeve that was being used to commemorate you know, umpires who have passed, which I thought was, was great, that is no longer there. And if I wouldn't say it's sacred a place like that, but, you know, it, it does. It has a special meaning. And to slap a, a promotional ad on top of that to me is, is I don't know what I want to say. It's, it's not nice. <laughs> it's, 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 I think it's almost disrespectful. <laughs> so I, I was fine seeing the little FTX on the front. You know, it jarred me a little bit. But I said, oh, okay, fine. But when I saw him put it over the sleeve where umpires had used a, a place to respect past umpires, those who had passed away, I just felt like that was a wrong move. Yeah, to me, in stick and ball sports, sponsors on a jersey or a sweater or anything, that's more greed than actually trying to make money or or support extra funds for on ice or on the field. Unlike, you know, motorsports where the reason they have all those patches, you can make fun of them all they want, but that's what keeps the lights on and that's what allows you to put a car out there on the track. So there's a bit of a difference between the two. And, you know, the NBA, I believe they were the first to do it where they had the sponsors on their their jerseys. And then the NHL, I believe it was last year, they added it to their helmets, which, I mean, I don't really notice it. I kind of prefer the way it was. And now apparently MLB, have, I don't remember, did they add it yet or are they adding it next year where they're going to add sponsors to the? I think that's next year. I'm not sure. I guess that'll be one more collectible item, whether you have a shirt with or without a certain sponsor on it. So Mr. Sportslogo.net may have a whole other story. Maybe we ought to reach out to them. It might be <laughs> make for an interesting show. So the whole idea of branding and how you brand it, what's acceptable and what's not, is actually determined not just by the professionals, but what society's willing to accept. I can tell you from my own experience, as somebody who enjoys the Derby, being from Kentucky, but I think everybody does, I, I first heard years ago that they were going to have the jockeys wearing some kind of sponsorship on their on their clothes, on their silks out there. And I thought, eh, I don't know about that, but I don't think jockeys ever get paid enough anyway. They It, it finally emerged, and now I'm not sure if they're getting paid for it or who's getting paid for it. But in the Kentucky Derby, it was interesting to realize that Progressive had sponsored at least, I guess, 10 of the jockeys out there. So if you look down their leggings, you would see progressive written down in a vertical line. I don't know, man. You, you see all these coming up and all the different ways of, of branding and marketing. I feel like I'm inundated enough with commercial messages all day. I, I think commercials are, are a little bit annoying, but I mostly just use them as like a snack or a bathroom break. And I don't want to see jerseys or anything covered in sponsors. I know there's a junior hockey league that does that, and I mean it, it's an eyesore. It's it's ugly. I don't I don't ever want to see that come to the NHL or any of other major sports. You know, motorsports. I'm I'm used to it. That's just that's the way it's been since the beginning. That's how you, that's how you race. Exactly. And NASCAR, like I said, I expect it. 
And to me, if I don't see 20 different labels on somebody's racing outfit, I'm like, well, I guess nobody likes them. (laughs) Or they're not good. So I don't know. I don't know. Oh, brother. Let's see. You know, one last little thing we want to mention. If you're looking for some good news about how to make sure you get a full crowd at the ballpark, the Dodgers, I'm sure, who do a really good job of it, but they sold out the other day when they had Fluffy, Mr. Was it uh, Gabriel Iglesias, the comedian, come out there? It sold out <laughs> Dodger Stadium, man. And that's that's really impressive as a comedian to sell out a, a stadium like that. I mean, any act if you can sell out a, a major sports stadium is impressive. But I usually don't think of comedians doing major stadiums. <laughs> no, I, I think it's a Netflix deal, which I'm just wondering how the sound's going to work with that. But it, it makes a question. If you can sell out a crowd like that, can, can you imagine if your team is your uh, your tennis isn't everything that you want, and say, hey, maybe we can get Gabriel Iglesias to come. He do maybe do a post game piece. No, 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 no. Uh, I tell you what, we'll have him come, and during the seventh inning stretch, he can do five jokes. You know, <laughs> or, 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 or we will have him stand up for ten minutes to tell jokes. Whatever it is. That way we'll keep people during a game, even if the team absolutely stinks <laughs> or sucks, let's say. It would be great to, you know, to have that there. I mean, the Rays used to do it all the time. They would do post-game concerts. And you know, towards the end, they, it wasn't as good. But I remember in the beginning, they had some really big acts come in. I mean, they had Avril Lavigne, Train, Brett Michaels. Those are some pretty big names, too. I want to see Brett Phillips sing. <laughs> I don't know. I'd like to see him tell jokes just there to hear him laugh. Go. Maybe we'll get Country Joe to come to one of them. He can he can sing as well. <laughs> but I'll get you tickets for that. <laughs> All right. Okay, brother. Well, we've destroyed another week of baseball, <laughs> but it's always fun. And you know, there, there's got to be humor involved. I'm glad to hear Gabriel Glacis was out there and he sold it out. I still think we've got some good ideas here. So, Brandon, make sure you write all this up, and we'll send it once again to Rob and say, Mr. Manfred, if you like the idea here about putting comedians in there for the seven-inning stretch, just make sure you know you send a little money. Brandon's in my way. Oh, yeah. I gave him a few ideas with the the uh, Fantasy Stadium ideas a few yeah. months ago. and that was, The first idea was free, but the rest from here on out are going to cost you a little bit. All right. Okay, go ahead and give us a wrap here, Brandon. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to us again. Hopefully we didn't scare you off too bad. And you can follow Mark at The Baseball Biz, and I am at Sports Blitz Pod on Twitter. And you can find us on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeart, pretty much anywhere where you can find podcasts, you can find us. Remember to like, rate, review, subscribe, spread the word about us, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, everybody, and hope you all have a wonderful week. Special thanks to X-Take RUX for the music rocking forward.